Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with uh, with us today, Matt and Braden here. And we're with Brian and Bonnie Pugh from the Union Movement out in Dudney, B.C., and uh, mom and dad to six boys. Wow, I don't know how yes you guys sir. have time to be with us today, but you got six, <laughs> six boys. It's pretty fun, eh? Yeah, it is, man. We had quiet times and screen time <laughs> sometimes to make these things work. So yeah. yeah, and sometimes one one is quiet or two are quiet, and the other four or five are oh, loud. Sure. And, <laughs> oh man, crazy household. Can you guys? Uh, what a blessing though to have uh, have that big family. Um, yeah, we love it. Can you guys share a little bit about the union movement just to before we dive into what we want to chat about today? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the union movement honestly just exists to help people find wholeness, specifically in the areas of identity, sexuality, and relationships. We really try to bring just a gospel-centered approach, uh, but just a holistic mindset about purity, wholeness. Um not in a, I say the word purity and then I go, not like, not like purity culture. Yeah. Like when we were, when we were 12, you know, <laughs> um, but that sense of, uh, so many people I think feel dirty and they would love to feel pure again. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, as the, we believe that the church has the answer, which is Jesus Christ, who can literally wash our conscience clean. Not that we necessarily forget our past, but the power of the past is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we bring, you know, we have a podcast, blog, online content. We also, uh, Brian and I both love to communicate around these topics. And so can go meet with groups or do training with leaders. Just want to be a resource, stand with churches and um, just help them develop healthy cultures. Yeah. 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 
because we like we love the local church, you know, and I think there's the the church lately is getting a lot of heat on social media and on culture and stuff today, which I just go like, man, the the pure um, Jesus loving people loving church, right. um, man, is really the hope of the world. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we are the city on a hill, and I think um, we we love the church, we love what God's doing, what God's building. Um, you know, and he, uh, Jesus said, like, the I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, you know. And so, like, we get to be a victorious community and invite people into this, this victorious life in Jesus. And so we're just all about helping the church be equipped in this area of, of sexuality. So Right. And I, I love what you said there. We'd echo that, you know. We really believe that as well, too. So that's great. Yep. Um, so you, you led so beautifully, Brian, into what we're going to talk about today. And, you know, when it comes to the church's response um, to our current culture and our world right now in regards to sexuality, um, we've had a, a mixed bag, so to speak, over the over the years, right? We had the purity culture that really arose out of maybe some more legalistic thinking um, sure. back in the day. And then now, you know, we've seen the advent and uh, maybe more progression of the seeker-sensitive movement. And um, so just comment on our current climate and why at times, I guess as a Christian leader, it can be difficult to navigate that because we have these two extremes and everything in between. Like, wh- where do we find ourselves? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to do my best to answer that question. I can't say that I'm like, you know, a, this super, super knowledgeable guy on why we are entirely where we are. But I can, as a, as a church leader, I can understand the intimidation um, that people might feel around this area. Um, obviously like my Bonnie and I, like we live in this area, we talk about this all the time, but this is not the norm for a lot of Christian leaders. And they think, well, how do I even start? And so it's a lot easier just to talk about what you're comfortable talking about. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's a certain, um, unfortunately, like there's a certain pressure put on pastors and leaders today, like to be, um, to keep up an image, you know what I mean? And so like, don't, don't ever say anything that's controversial. And it's like, well, if, if not talking about, if not talking about controversial things was like, was a sin, then Jesus sinned. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like Jesus didn't shy away from talking about, um, uncomfortable topics and awkward topics. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, I think it's very important. Um, and it's vital for us as leaders to find, um, non-awkward ways to talk about awkward topics, because like, even, you know, you said like with purity culture and stuff, there's just been things that have been said that are like hyper dramatic and these like shocker things that have said that are actually not rooted in truth. And it's caused a lot of pain and a lot of damage in people's lives. So, um, I think, I think intimidation and, and, um, it's just one of the very real things and just like, just not sure where to start is one of those re- very real things that Christian leaders are facing today. I remember yeah. we had we had one guy on uh, doing a teaching for us one time, and he said, "You got to ask yourself if you watch porn, do you actually love Jesus?" <laughs> the guys were like, "Oh," and some people loved the challenge, and other people were like, "That's inappropriate." And so it's <laughs> right. some of those shocker shocker comments that it's like you just don't do it. Like if you love Jesus, you shouldn't do do that. But there's yeah. there's sometimes a more complex uh, uh, answer to it to what we're doing, and mm-hmm. so having some uh, the truth but also the grace is really important right and so having both Absolutely. which Absolutely. i think has gone from one end to the other but um being in the church uh you guys have been in church leadership you've been in behind the scenes in meetings uh i just did a, a staff training at a church and and uh it was attended by about probably 30 percent of the staff 
senior mm. pastor didn't come. And just talking about how to how to address pornography, how to bring up porn in different areas of the church, how to equip the people, uh, porn and sex, and uh, and they were they were very very hesitant to use pornography, the word pornography uh, in the title of the seminar because of the optics of the church. And so, being that you guys have been behind the scenes and you've been in church leadership, uh, and you've got a, a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, and wisdom with this, I just wondered if you'd speak to that and and what you've seen, and also what you believe the church is or the church and church leaders should do in terms of addressing sexuality. Yeah, man, that's it's significant. There is there can be such a a mixture of reasons why leaders would want to stay away from the topic, like you're saying, you know how it appears um i mean man what would i say you know so we're in this we're doing this and so we try to give leaders the benefit of the doubt but the reality is is actually even like if i can say like like spiritual darkness like our spiritual enemy actually is pushing against us Mm -hmm. so that we will not address this topic because if we will address this topic in the old testament uh it was, they were called the high places or these places of unfaithfulness, these places of immorality, these places of like, I believe like the enemy was strategizing to ruin God's people. We see this in the story of Balaam and Balak where the enemy, it's like, it was like, if you will get the people to commit sexual immorality, it will, it will set them up for a curse on the land is actually what happened. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be aware that this is a, this is a contested ground. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if, if a, is a leader listening right now, I say, get in the fight. Like your people yeah. need you to do this. Not only that your own life, your marriage needs you to do this. Your children need you to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, I grew up in the church. Bri's story is different, but I grew up in the church and I was like the homeschooled, you know, nice kid. And when I was 15 years old, the carpet just got pulled out from under me when I found out my youth pastor at the time was having an affair, committing adultery with one of my best friends, a 15 year old. Wow. Oh, like that. I mean, that didn't just pull out the rug under me. That was like my whole youth, my whole youth group at the time. We were probably like 80 to 100 kids. Guess how many kids were left after that? You strike the shepherd, guess what happens Mm. to the sheep? Mm. You know? And so, unfortunately so i mean that it the lord has redeemed so much it's a Mm -hmm. beautiful like beautiful how things turned around in my life my friend's life but still it's not like that is an isolated incident yeah (laughs) unfortunately Mm -hmm. we're here we just hear stories all the time brian and i we grieve together we're like did you hear what happened Mm -hmm. yeah you know and so i think if as a leader you care about your staff, you care about your team, you care about the people in your congregation, you have to address these things because it will take people out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I always think of that analogy, you know, when you're you're on an airplane and the steward or uh, I guess the stewardess tells you, and in case of emergency and the oxygen comes down, you stick it on yourself first and then you help the next person right. next to you. And you know, how true is that in regards to, say, porn and sexual addiction other areas? I mean, when I was in Bible school, I remember this. Um, and I love my Bible school. I don't mean to hammer on it. And, uh, but uh, we had to sign this code of conduct. And I remember one of the boxes we had to check off was that we don't look at porn. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that the majority of us that I knew of, we would check that box off, but we were all looking at porn. 
And, um, that was part of my story. Uh, you know, as I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, but everybody went underground because I want, I feel a call in my life. God's calling me in the ministry, full-time ministry. Yet I have this battle that's going on is waging against me, um, behind scenes. And now I'm being told that I have to go underground. I can't talk to anybody about this is the way that we would feel. So Christian leaders, here we are, you know, next generation of pastors coming up, um, are facing this. And so it makes sense, right? When you enter into ministry, this is the mindset you have. So you don't want to talk about it because that means you got to turn the mirror on yourself and it's just so challenging. So, you know, what would you say to people, especially Christian leaders coming up? I mean, you've mentioned a little bit alluded to it. What is the mindset that we need to take first with ourselves so that we can be helpers of others, you know, um, in in this area? Yeah. Well, I think, I think unfortunately there's probably some, some other dynamics that play into it in, in even how leadership is structured within a lot of churches. Um, I think that leads to, um, it leads to like senior leaders being isolated and kind of becoming the top of this pedestal. You know what I mean? They're untouchable. Nobody's asking hard questions. I don't think that that leads to thriving leadership and to thriving churches. Um, and so like, I have to ask pastors, like you're pastoring a lot of people you're leading, you're caring, you know, I, I want to assume that you have the best of intentions and all that, but who's pastoring you, you know what I mean? Who's asking, who's looking you in the face and asking you hard questions. Who's asking you, Hey, like if I were to go on your search history, like right now, what, what would it show? You know what I mean? Or have you just gotten really good at clearing it, you know, <laughs> right? Like, right. Um, you know, like do, but who's asking you hard questions and who, who are you letting your, your guard down with and not not keeping this leader hat on and having to, you know, keep walls up, but who are you really letting that down with? Who are you confessing your sins to? Because this, this, this avenue of confession is, um, is not a, an early stage Christian practice, like the vertical confession, we confess our sins, you know, to him and he's faithful and just, he forgives us from all, from all of our sin and, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, like first John says. So we have this vertical confession, but then there's James five, where we're supposed to be confessing our sins one to another and praying for each other that we'd be healed. And I go like, I don't think leaders, uh, I don't think a lot of senior pastors, I don't think it's the norm that leaders have those types of real relationships where they're burying their soul. They're letting the wall down. They're talking about what's really going on, talking about hard issues in them. It's just like, I just got to keep going. Got to keep the image up. Got to keep moving. Got to keep advancing. Going to keep it up into the right growth numbers, everything. And they themselves are decaying and checking out in, you know, in a multitude of different things. Um, and this area is, is uh, kind of kept under wraps. And so I, I would just encourage pastors, like you need to have, I, I don't think it's healthy for everybody to know everything that's going on in your life, but somebody needs to know everything about what's going on in your life mm-hmm. um, and that you're ta- able to talk that through. So, and as soon as you have something in your mind, this has been almost like a rule for me, as soon as I think, I don't want to tell Brian that my, Brian, my husband, or as soon as I think I don't, I don't want to tell someone that I go, that's the thing I have to tell, Yeah, cool. you know, cause it's, it, and that's where I, you know, when I was probably in like 19, 20 years old and really stepping into discipleship with Christ, I started to realize that my spirit had been made alive in Christ and that the Holy spirit was nudging me and leading me by the spirit. I mean, we see this in Romans chapter eight, these are the sons and daughters of God as those who are led by the spirit. So it's almost like my spirit 
would almost call out my flesh or call out my soul. And so instead of me feeling like it was God against me, it was like, it was me and God against my flesh. And so, but, and trusting that God was good and was trying to lead me into fullness of life. And so far it's been very true. Like, it's like, you know, some people might, could say like, like, oh, you know, Bonnie, like I admire you so much. And I'm like, do you know that anything good in my life is because the Holy Spirit twisted my arm until I obeyed him? You know, like, it's not like it's any merit of myself, but rather just a decision to follow the leading of the spirit. And so, mm-hmm. and I wanted to add one more thing in that thought of like for the leaders is to understand just the sim like that we do feel sympathy or empathy for the role that you play. And mm-hmm. even, you know, coming out of these last couple of years have been very tumultuous mm-hmm. and stressful. Um, Brian and I were just talking just yesterday about how so many leaders don't know how to rest don't know how to, um, man, I mean, the demand, there's far more demand than there is time, far more demand than there is strength, internal strength within, in any of us. But we're just realizing unless a leader knows how to rest, they're going to set themselves up for a fall. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about how in Hebrews, it talks about Esau and how he came out from the field exhausted, famished. And at that point he sold his birthright for just Mm. a moment of pleasure, a moment of satisfaction, a Mm. moment of comfort. And I think that we have a lot of people who are out on the field for so long. They're so weary that they lose sight of like, yeah, what they're living for, you know, and then they're willing to, they sell, they sell out. So they lose sight of their calling and purpose. You know, so we, I mean, yeah, we feel like you can't talk about, you can't talk about porn. You can't talk about sexual sin without talking about that holistic, like a holistic health that would just strengthen you to be able to, to fight against temptation, to fight against the desires of the flesh. Hmm. And there's a part of it too, where even if a leader doesn't go into sin, I think of in Ezekiel 34, there's actually a rebuke to the shepherd and it's like, man, you feed yourselves, but you don't care for the, for the wounds of your sheep. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and, and where they're broken, like you're not caring wow. for that. And, but they feed themselves being not, not necessarily that they sell their birthright or you go into sin, but maybe you just are comfortable preaching what you preach. You're preaching right. the topics that you're comfortable with. Right. And you're right. comfortable getting that affirmation and you're uncomfortable doing something that might be, un, might be awkward for the people. And so you feed yourself totally. with comfort. But we got to do that to to take care of the wounds of the sheep, um, and so for a for a leader where there's there's famished or they're tired, what you're saying, Bonnie, is like you might sell your birthright, you might escape into that sin, you want a moment of pleasure, but it might just be that you're comfortable doing what you keep doing, and there's a justification that's so easy to fall into. That's like, but I'm preaching great sermons and and I'm getting applause. Um, but mm-hmm. sometimes there's that brokenness that we need to address. And so you guys have a sexual health evaluation for churches. And I'd love for you to just share what that is, because it's a really cool resource. And really, uh, how you've laid it out is really simple, but really effective. If churches want to, if, if church leaders are at the point where they're like, hey, I want to talk about sex or porn in my church, but how do I do it? You guys have laid it out in a really cool way. So can you can you go over that and how churches can go about using it? 
Yeah. So this, the survey and evaluation kind of affects or can be applied in three different areas. Either you have your church staff and leadership that it can survey kind of the culture within uh, the leadership dynamic. And so like one of the questions would be like, when was the last time somebody confessed to either temptation or possibly sin within your staff or leadership? And the interesting thing is like, we might go like, well, no, nobody's, you know, it's been a long time since somebody's done that. So that must be really great. You know, we must be doing really good. Nobody's confessing to anything, you know, right. Yeah. We're all just doing awesome. Yeah. But it's like you were saying earlier, it's just gone underground, you know? And it's like the, the atmosphere isn't, isn't, um, isn't helping build a vulnerable, you know, transparent kind of dynamic. And so, um, that part of the survey kind of highlights that area. And then we have one that's talking about church membership and just the church body. How are we doing? How's the church doing in addressing these areas uh, specifically that way? And then uh, a family uh, dynamic as well. So that's the third option. So we have church, church staff and leadership, church members, and then the family, uh, family dynamics. And so, um, and that's really important too. And that's why we included it is like, I heard somebody say once, like, you know, we talk a lot about revival, but, um, and that usually shows up at like, Oh, we think more meetings, but it's like, if you don't see revival around the dinner table of the family, mm-hmm. then revival is not taking place, you know, right. It has to be getting down to, um, to those dynamics. And so that's why we've kind of built those three areas to, to assess. And, um, do you want to talk about the five keys that we, yeah, just in looking at, uh, what will bring longevity in this area of sexual health? Cause it's not, you know, leaders. Yes. You're going to need to talk about it. You're going to need to preach about it, you know, have small groups, focus on it, have training meetings, like all those things, but there actually needs to be a tone or like a values within the church in order to sustain healthy, uh, sexuality. And I would say even to avoid going into that ditch of like, uh, legalism, like, like we saw maybe in the purity culture era where it was just like, follow this list of rules and then you'll have good sex when you're married, you know, don't do it, you know, bad, bad, bad up until marriage. Now it's good. Good luck with that. Right. So it's like, we need, we need values to hold on to. And that's what these, actually these questions, it's not a long survey by any any means, just concise. You know, we know leaders are busy, um, but it's going to speak to these five different areas. So I'll just, go through them quickly. The first one is having a culture of honor where um, instead of uh, competition or a belittling of male or female, both are really honored in their uniqueness, marriage, sex, relationships, it's all, um, it's treasured, not idolized, you know, where single people feel like they're not as, you know, they're not as much because they're still single or something like that, but it's Mm -hmm. still just treasured. Um, so yeah, that's one of the values. Another one, uh, is transparency. And so that the question Brian mentioned that would speak towards that, you know, having time and space, deliberate, intentional time and space made for vulnerable conversations, uh, where we believe leaders have to go first. You know, I know there's a book leaders eat last, Mm -hmm. but I think leaders have to confess first. Like they need to be, Mm -hmm. they go first. Um, Another key we see is legacy. So this is having an intentional investment uh, into the next generation in order to transfer. um, Yeah, just transfer those values. Honestly, one of the things in the years that we worked with young adults, and honestly, it's such a soft spot still in our heart is they just like, like all these like cool, sophisticated young adults just like melt when you start giving them like relationship advice or like how there's any hope because they're just thinking like, will I be able to get married one day? Yeah. Will I be able to 
have someone love me like that, you know? And so to even just simply having older people have, um, just having the heart to have those conversations with the younger generation is going to be so helpful in the transmitting of values. Uh, and then the other two really important keys would be to be gospel centered. So bringing, making a big deal about the work of Jesus to redeem, um, and then also to be holistic in that, like we mentioned, body, soul, spirit, having that level of holistic thinking, but also the holistic in the sense that this is a, this is an issue of worship. This is not just a listed list of do's and don'ts holistic in that you're willing to look in someone's past. You're willing to acknowledge traumatic experiences. Uh, and in that way, I know, you know, like not a lot, of, most pastors aren't psychologists. They're not trained counselors, but yeah. being able to partner yeah. with those who are really trained to be able to help people mm-hmm. process through the past as well. So amazing so good it's just it's like you say it's not long and it's simple but it's super effective if churches can take advantage of it and so i'm super grateful that you have put that together and that it's something for churches to use and so that along with everything else where can people find your resources and everything that you put out yeah so they can visit our website theunionmovement.com um all of our podcasts blogs all the resources are there um the e-courses we developed they're all there um, and they can, if they need in, more information, they can email us at info at the union movement.com. Uh, but we're also on uh, Facebook and Instagram at the union movement doc. No, I almost said it again.com at the union movement yeah. uh, is our handle there. So we, we love to connect there. Love to, yeah. if somebody's interested, send us a DM. We'd love to love to chat about it. So if leaders are wanting to go through that evaluation, they can look at it themselves, go through it with their, just them and their team, but also we'd love to stand with leaders and be like, okay, so what are the areas that you're feeling weak in? Let's create a strategy of how to address mm-hmm. those things. You know, some yeah. simple steps you could take this year to, uh, to just fortify those areas. Yeah. Thanks guys. What a great tool. I uh, really appreciate you guys building that and working at that. Cause it's, it's really going to be helpful. I believe. Thanks guys so much for taking the time with us today. Oh, it's awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. It's a joy. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.